I just get to talk about one slice. And Proverbs is great for slices because it slices up beautifully and you can study particular elements of life in it. And they really are about life. So before I jump into this, I want to show you a video uh, that will give you a bigger understanding of the book of Proverbs. So let's, let's look at this. There are three books in the Bible that have come to be called wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And all these books are addressing the same set of questions. What kind of world are you living in? And what does it look like to live well in this world? So how are we good at life? Yeah. So each of these books tackles these questions from a unique perspective. And it's important to understand all of them to get a fully biblical perspective on the good life. So as a thought experiment, you could actually imagine each of these books as a person. So Proverbs would be like this brilliant young teacher, and Ecclesiastes the sharp middle-aged critic, and Job would be this weathered old man who's seen a lot in his day. We're going to start by meeting the book of Proverbs, the brilliant young teacher. And she's not just smart, she's smart about everything, work, relationships, sex, spirituality. She has incredible insights, things you wouldn't see under her. Yeah, she would be the perfect friend to have around when you need really specific advice. So what makes her so smart? Well, Proverbs can see things that most people don't see. She believes that there's an invisible creative force in the universe that can guide people in how they should live. And you can't see it, just like you can't see gravity, but it affects everything that we do. So what's this force? Well, in Hebrew, it's called chokhmah, and it usually gets translated into English as wisdom. It's an attribute of God that God used to create the world. And Hokman has been woven into the fabric of things and how they work. So wherever people are making good or just or wise decisions, they're tapping into Hokman. And whenever someone's making a bad decision, they're working against Hokman. Right, or as it says in Proverbs chapter 1, the waywardness of fools will destroy them. But the one who listens to wisdom lives in security. So it's like a moral law of the universe. Yeah, it's a cause-effect pattern that no one can escape. And Proverbs personifies all of this as a woman. Yeah, Lady Wisdom. Right, and she roams around the earth calling out and making herself available to anyone who's willing to listen to her and to learn. Which leads to the second thing Proverbs believes, that anyone can access and interact with wisdom and use it to make a beautiful life for yourself or for others. You can create with it like a designer. Yes, in fact, chokhmah in Hebrew isn't simply intellectual knowledge. The word is also used to describe a skilled artisan who excels at their craft, like woodworking or stonemasoning. So you show you possess chokhmah when you put it to work and develop the skill of making a good life. Okay, that makes sense. So let's do this. Let's go find some wisdom. But before you do, Proverbs has one more really important thing to consider. Chokhmah isn't some impersonal force. It's an attribute of God himself. And so in Hebrew thought, your journey to becoming wise has to begin with what Proverbs calls the fear of the Lord. It's this healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. And true wisdom means learning those boundary lines and not crossing them. Now, all those ideas you just unpacked are in chapters 1 through 9 of Proverbs. But with the Proverbs, I think of the collection of sayings, the Proverbs themselves. Tell me about those. Yeah, those are what you find in chapters 10 on to the end of the book. It's a collection of hundreds and hundreds of Proverbs about any and all aspects of life. And Hochman gets applied to them, resulting in this wise guidance to help you find a path towards success. 
success no matter what you do. If I design my life with these sayings, life is going to be good. Yeah, or as Proverbs puts it, it'll give health to your bones, prosperity, a long, rich life. Which is a really big claim. But you can see, it's often the case. Wise people, they tend to do better. Things usually work out well for them in life. And so that is the promise and the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. One of the things I want you to do is to remember that word, hokmah. So, for example, what you need to do is imagine that you are a Klingon. Hokmah. <laughs> that is literally how you say it. A whole lot of Hebrew sounds just like a whole lot of those guys. <laughs> so, when we're looking at this and thinking about Hokmah, we're looking tonight as how biblical wisdom. Hebrew, Hokmah, is woven through how we speak, what we say, what comes out of our mouth, our words. Now, one of the interesting, interesting things about words is the average man speaks enough words in one year to fill 66 books, 800 pages long. Some of you guys thought, no way. <laughs> so as a man, you speak an average of 20,000 words a day. As a woman, it's 30. <laughs> 30,000. We are a nation of talkers. We love talk shows. You know, people love talk radio. We like to talk. So as we're looking at this tonight, I'm going to start you out with uh, Proverbs 13.3. He who guards his mouth controls himself, but he who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. The Bible is saying that Self-control, it means controlling your tongue, controlling the words that come out of it, controlling what, what your mouth says. And in the book of Proverbs, there is an enormous amount said about your words. There are actually over 120 verses related to the different aspects of speech or your tongue or your words. Now, we're not going to go over all 120 of those tonight. We're just going to cover a few of them. And we're looking at a few of them. One of the things that fascinates me about the book of Proverbs is you really can take it and, and see a slice of life with it, a slice of life in it. So even though there's all of this stuff about words and your tongue and what you say, you can actually pull all of that together and then reorient it around and, have it, and see it in certain lights how it relates to certain things. So for example, what I'm going to give you tonight is three specific points, a three-point process of words and how they work together. And they really do work as a one, two, three. They flow from one to the other. The first one on your notes there is to think before you speak. This is a principle that comes out of the book of Proverbs. It's, it's to contemplate before you communicate. Proverbs 16, 23 says, intelligent, intelligent people think before they speak. What they say is they're more persuasive. Another thing that's really cool about Proverbs is it's so practical that you could, you could reverse what's being said and think of the, ex, the opposite of what's being said. So intelligent people think before they speak. The not so intelligent don't think before they speak. And you always have a choice. You can be one or the other. Proverbs is saying, take wisdom, take hokmah, 
and apply it to your words. Apply, apply it to what, to what you say. It's not kind of like the idea, you know, get your mind in gear before you engage your tongue. It's uh, learn to think before you speak. Proverbs 18, 20 says, you will have to live with the consequences of everything you say. It's, a, it's fascinating how our words could move people. How our words could start chain reactions even amongst people. You tell somebody something, and then they go tell somebody something, and then they're like, hey, did you hear what so-and-so said? Did you hear what so-and-so said? This happened and that happened? And it begins this snowball. So what you want to do is, if you're going to tell somebody something, make sure it's right. Make sure it's, it's true and accurate. For example, the police were interviewing a man. Asked him a simple question. Can you describe the man who beat you up? And he said, yeah, of course I can. That's what I was doing when he was beating me up. Okay, maybe you guys think that. He was saying, he was describing to the man very bad things. Therefore, the man was beating him up. Okay. Let's try another one. Okay. This is a true story. Quarterback in the NFL retires. And he makes a statement. He says, now that I'm retired, I want to say something that I have always wanted to say. All defensive linemen are sissies. <laughs> you, you, you catch the hokmaw in that? After he retired, it would not be wise. If, if I'm the quarterback, I am not going to look across the line and see Solomon and his buddies and call them sissies. Not going to happen. I have a little bit of hope in my life. A little bit of wisdom. The Bible says you have to live with the consequences of what you say. There's always consequences. Consequences can be good or bad. There are consequences. They happen as a result of something. One statement the Bible makes is that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we just need to be careful of what we say. We need to think before we speak. And that's, it's just a hard lesson to learn. But we need to learn it. Because what you say could make you sick or well. It could make you happy or sad. It could make you rich or poor. It could win friends or offend enemies. What you say is powerful. What you say can get you hired. It can get you fired. What you say is valuable. It has purpose. It has meaning. So I wrote a little thing between each, beneath each of these points. Evaluate yourself 1 to 10. Okay, I'm not asking you to circle the 1 to 10 tonight. Because you know what I would do if I were sitting on your row? I would look to see what you did. <laughs> and you know that. You know that about everybody around you. They're going to watch me. So don't do it. Do it later. Think about it now. Come back to it later. Just think about where really are you? You know, for example, am I overcommitted and stressed out and paying for something because I didn't think before I spoke? See, that's a one. You know, you could go somewhere in the middle. You know, 
I always think first before I speak, that's a 10. So you just gotta rate yourself, evaluate yourself on this one point. Think before you speak. Second one is always speak the truth. So you start with think before you speak, and then that flows into always speak the truth. Proverb deals a lot with uh, a couple of different types of dishonesty. Lying, being deceitful, exaggerating. And there's this issue about whatever you do say, it needs to be right. It needs to be truth. Now, in theory, I've heard it hundreds of times. People would say, you know, honesty is always the best policy. It's just what people say. But in practice, people don't seem to think that works. Because there's a whole lot of people that don't actually practice that philosophy. They might tell you, yeah, honesty is the best answer, best policy, but I'm not going to tell people what I really think about them. I'm not going to do that, and there's some Pokemon in that. But there's also an aspect of being honest, truthful to our friends, to people. Speaking up and saying something when it needs to be said. But where we usually go is, well, I'm not going to do that. That would create a crisis. That would create chaos. There would be an argument. There would be a conflict. Proverbs 10.10, someone who holds back the truth causes trouble. I think one of the reasons we hold back the truth, we're, we're just cowards. We don't want to have a conflict. We want peace. We want peace at any cost. And so in a lot of our relationships, we think, yeah, I should be honest. It would really help them. They could benefit by me being honest, but I hold it back because I don't want to hurt their feelings. But I'm really not helping them. I'm not actually loving them in the moment. You see, in a relationship, and, you know, there's this issue. You know, maybe there's an issue between a boyfriend and a girlfriend, or maybe you have an issue with your mom, or you have an issue with your dad, and you think about it, and you think, okay, I'm going to share something with them. And what you do is you imagine that they're now going to get defensive about it, and they're not going to like it, and then they're going to explode. And so maybe you venture in and it happens, and what do you do? You start backpedaling, and you start backing off, and you start thinking, superficiality sounds really good right now. <laughs> it's just what we do. I'd rather handle that. So we back off rather than dealing with truth. Someone who holds back the truth causes trouble. So the kind of trouble I'm talking about is where dishonesty destroys relationships or Bitterness begins to rise because of it. Or you begin to live out life with hidden agendas. Things that you don't talk about or you don't mention. You have hurt feelings that you just hold them down and they fester inside of you. You stop trusting each other. You start doubting your friends and you start doubting other things of life. It's that truth <laughs> is decaying in the moment. And we just we need to be truthful. And there are a lot of relationships that are suffering because truth isn't in the midst of the relationship. You could probably think of some relationships that you are watching right now, and you're watching those relationships die right before you because of dishonesty. Because something has been said and done, and it's been kept a secret. And the relationship, the fabric of it, 
Proverbs 24, 26. An honest answer is the sign of a true friendship. Honesty is a sign of love. Dishonesty is a lack of love. You know, if somebody's dishonest with you, they don't love you. Honesty is a sign of love. Reality is you don't lie to people you love. You're honest with them. It might be something that hurts, but you're going to deal with it. You're going to say it. You're going to talk about it. Because you're going to tell the truth. And the result is connectedness. Whenever you're truthful and honest, there is a sense of bonding that happens in the midst of it. And that's where we need to go. We need to go to the place where our relationships end well, and that's a place of honesty. Proverbs 28, 23, at the end, people appreciate frankness more than flattery. It's about being truthful, being honest. It's about doing relationships in such a way that you're not playing games. You're not deceiving. You're not manipulating. You're being truthful with it. So the Bible says, think before you speak. Always speak the truth. This is another moment for you to quietly, by yourself, evaluate yourself. Where are you at in this scenario? One to ten. How honest am I with those who are closest to me? How much do I hold back in moments when I could say something? What, what, you know, where, where is my relationship at with them? How honest, how truthful am I? So the Bible in Proverbs is telling us, learn to keep quiet until you've thought it out. And then think before you speak. And then the third thing is always speak the truth in love. So I'm going to speak the truth, but I'm going to speak it in love. I'm not going to use it as a, as a club. I'm not going to beat you up with the truth. It's going to be loving. Proverbs 12, 18. Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword. But wisely spoken words can heal. It's a choice. You can use your words to help people or to hurt people. You could use your words, in essence, to love or to hate, to lift people up or to push them down. But it's all about your words, how you use them. And you could use them in either direction. You know, I've also heard, heard somebody just very insensitively say, I just say what I feel. Have you heard that? I just say what I feel. Proverbs, with Pope Ma, calls that person a fool. You're not supposed to say what you feel. You're supposed to think about it. Speak the truth. And speak the truth in love. Some people say, well, I just speak what's on my mind. We're, the rest of us are probably not interested. <laughs> just keep it. Proverbs 15.4, gentle words cause life and health. I read a story about a pastor who was in a hospital room with a wife, a doctor, and the husband. The husband had been in a coma for months. And in the room, the doctor says to the wife, he is never going to recover. It's hopeless. You're never going to be able to talk to him again. And then the doctor walked out of the room. The pastor went straight over to the man, leaned over, got right down in his face, and said, that's not true. 
you're going to get past this. You're going to be okay. We're going to be good. And he said that tears started flowing down this man's eyes, even though he was in a coma. And the man did recover. And what he said was, the turning point in my recovery was when you said those kind words to me. You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. And what we're talking about is Hokmah. Wise words. The proverb says, gentle words cause life and health. That was a moment of gentle words, and they literally brought this man back out of his coma over time. And he says, that was my turning point, when you spoke those kind words to me. That's a picture of Pokemon. Gentle words cause life and health. Another proverb about words, a word of encouragement does wonders. I, I can tell you, that is true for me. Unquestionably. When I do something or say something and somebody else says something to me like, hey, I really appreciate what you said. Hey, thank you for what you did. Hey, that was really encouraging for me. In the moment, I can feel the love and the warmth and the courage to ri rising up inside of me, so I want to do that again. And I want to encourage somebody else because they encouraged me. It, it just it makes an amazing amount of difference. One of the men in the Bible, he, he, some, somehow I should have a club for these guys. These are like, these, this is like, cool. <laughs> Barnabas. Barnabas had a nickname. Nicknames are cool. They can be. <laughs> can be bad, can be good. Oh, come on, makes the difference. His nickname was the encourager. He encouraged so many people so much that they nicknamed him that. Barnabas the encourager. That, that's amazing to me. I love that aspect. I want to be like him. I want to encourage people. And the word encourage literally means, it's two words put together, the word in and courage. And what it means is, is you take courage and you put it inside of someone. That's what you're doing when you are encouraging someone. You are giving them strength. You are giving them confidence. You are helping them to do life. So one thing I have for you is a personal project. You are good to, over the next couple of days, you are going to come into extremely close contact with thousands of people. And most of those people are hurting. They're discouraged. Something is going on in their life and they're feeling it. Just like a whole lot of us in the room right now, we're feeling some sense of discouragement, some sense of hurt. Something is going on. And so we can identify with it. And my project for you is speak a word of encouragement to people all day long. Just make that your personal project. I'm going to find somebody today and I'm going to speak a word of encouragement to them. I don't even know what it's going to be. But I'm going to, I'm going to take advantage of an opportunity when it's appropriate. 
Not when they're walking by going the other way and saying, hey, be good, have fun. <laughs> That's just weird. <laughs> but when you have a moment and you're just face to face with somebody, give them a word of encouragement. And you will be fulfilling what the Bible refers to as hoklami. An encouraging word does wonders. So again, you can evaluate yourself on this later on. You know, a one would be, I hardly ever encourage anyone. I never speak an encouraging word. You know, maybe somewhere in the middle is, yeah, I think about it. Or you get all the way over to the place where, you know what? I encourage people. And they smile when they walk away. And I'm going to keep doing it. So you can evaluate yourself on that. You might even just think about this from a, a place of, these things that I'm talking about. For example, you know, I've made a variety of statements and said a variety of things, and maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, I, I feel a little bit ashamed. I, I, I'm not really that good with this, because the things that seem to come out of my heart are not so pretty, not so nice, and I really don't like it. And what we need to do is realize that you know, for example, we might even make some statement like, I said something and I am so surprised. I'm so surprised that I would even think that, let alone say it. That's really not me. That's what we tell ourselves. We're lying. <laughs> Whatever you say came from one source. You. <laughs> If it came out of your mouth, it came from your heart. So if there's ugliness coming out of your mouth, it's because there's ugliness in your heart. It's the only option. Because our words are a window to our soul. What we say is really revealing us. What we are really like. You know, you, your words say who you really are. Your words reveal your character. They come from your heart. This last verse on your outline. Okay, I, I, I violated the code because I jumped from Proverbs to Matthew. <laughs> but I had to do it because Jesus said it. It fits. The things that come out of your mouth come from your heart. So what a lot of us need is, is a heart transplant. We need heart surgery. And Jesus Christ is a heart surgeon. He's the best. He can take our ugly heart and replace it with a good heart. A strong heart. An encouraging heart. So maybe, as you're listening to what I have to say, maybe you're wrestling with, you know, my heart's not that good. This is a moment where you can make your heart right with God. You could pray and say, God, I, I, I've learned some things tonight about my heart that I don't like. And I'd love to see that changed. So I'm going to commit my life to you, Jesus Christ, tonight, right now. And allow you to put a new heart in me. Because that's my only hope. I can't do this on my own. I need you. That's where you go. And that's where you can have you get a new heart. You get a clean bill of slate. It comes as you open up your life to Jesus Christ. 
I'd like to take a moment and pray with you right now.